So I want to say good morning to those who are um, online. Um, thank you for coming and welcome to uh, class five of um, survey of the book of Acts. And um, this week we are looking at chapter two um, in our reading. Um, and we're going to, of course, break this chapter up um, into several weeks because of how much information and material that is in um, this chapter. And as you begin to see in just about every chapter, there's a lot of information. Um, some things we won't cover, some we will cover, but it's like I said, every week it's important that you all do the reading and come with questions and comments and things of that sort. So um, before we jump into the lesson though, are there any questions or comments from the previous week or from any weeks um, of the teachings so far? Okay, just wanna make sure that I afford you all the opportunity um, to ask your questions or um, br uh, bring your comments to the to the table. And of course, anytime um, during this lesson, you can always ask questions and bring your comments forward. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the book um, on page 71, um, chapter two, um, kind of gives us a summary of what we've already covered. And then um, I will jump right into the lesson here. And so on page 71, I believe, um, it says the last chapter drew attention to the inaugurated kingdom of God as Luke's framework for his demonstration for the continued outworking of God's saving promises through the ongoing reign of of the Lord Jesus. In Acts, Luke shows that the inaugurated kingdom is still very much reality, even though Jesus, the one who announced the arrival of the kingdom, has ascended to heaven. He is continuing to be active and continuing to rule from um, the right hand of the Father. Okay, so that's kind of the summary of what we've been talking about these past uh, few weeks about the inaugural kingdom and that Jesus has not just left the church to anyone. Actually, he still um, is ruling, he still is reigning from um, his throne in heaven. And so that's something that, um, that Luke is emphasizing in his writings about the, the works of Jesus Christ from an ascended position. So uh, if we continue reading, we're gonna um, see what we're gonna cover today. It says, in this chapter, we will see that Luke's emphasis on the inauguration of the kingdom by Jesus and his continuing rule is the reason why the resurrection of Christ features so prominently in Acts, okay? So we're going to kind of look at a different view of the resurrection. Um, uh, we, we know it from a, a Christian perspective, but we don't look at it from a Jewish perspective as, um, as looking at the resurrection as we know it from starting with Jesus and moving forward with resurrection, but actually the concept of re uh, resurrection started before Jesus um, was resurrected. It was actually in the Old Test in the Old Testament scriptures and other scriptures that the Jews had as well. So we're going to kind of look at that. Um, 
let's see here. Um, it says this chapter will begin with a brief introduction to the significance of the resurrection in the Old Testament. And Luke's gospel is an orientation and discussion of Acts. Um, if you move down to a few sentences, it says the importance of the resurrection in Acts is closely related, however, to, to two other important issues in the theology of Acts, the significance of the death of Christ in Acts and the nature of the evangel uh, evangelistic preaching in Acts, okay? So um, this is what we're gonna cover in this chapter here, looking at the purpose of Acts and looking at it, um, uh, I'm sorry, looking at the purpose of resurrection and looking at it in Acts. And we're gonna look at some evangelical or evangelistics, I should say, preaching of, of, of the resurrection, but we'll look at that next week. But this week we're kind of looking at the uh, resurrection hope and we're going to, I believe, um, probably that's how far we're going to get because I'm going to, to kind of go deeper into understanding the hope of Israel and um, some other things as well. So um, before I get started, are there any comments or questions? We're, we're good. Just want to make sure that we're, we are good. All right. So let's go ahead and hop on in then. Um, if you downloaded the PowerPoint, I made some adjustments probably about 10, 15 minutes ago. So if you downloaded it before then, you might want to re-download it. <laughs> so um, let's see here. Okay, that's weird. All right, so this is, so our objectives today, we're going to of course learn more about the historical context of Luke's meaning of the death and resurrection of Christ. And we are going to understand how the theme of uh, how the theme of Jesus' death and resurrection is dealt with by Luke in its entirety in both of his two um, two volume work, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And so, of course, this is the outline of Chapter Two: the hope of Israel, um, the resurrection, and the arrival of the last days. So, we're going to look at the resurrection hope, the resurrection in Luke's Gospel, the resurrection in Acts. We're going to look at Jesus' death and the resurrection of Acts and then preaching the gospel in Acts. So, of course, as you see, it was going to be covered uh, in a few. Uh, we're going to cover it in about two, possibly three weeks or so um, in this chapter here because it, it is a lot that's um, being covered here. OK. Um, so when it comes to um, the book of Acts, the book of Acts is, is showing us that uh, it's, it's showing us that um, the fulfillment of the hope of Israel. Now we, we've talked about in the previous weeks of um, the Christian view of the book of Acts that they emphasize on other themes and, and things of that sort. So, so far we've, we've said that the book of Acts is about the kingdom of God. Then um, it talks about um, uh, the suffering. Um, and then, so now we're going to look at another topic, which is the fulfillment of the hope of Israel and the, and the resurrection here. So what do we, we remember from Old Testament? We talked about the hope of Israel um, a little bit. Does anybody remember um, uh, what the hope of Israel was about? And I'll give you all a clue um, it kind of started with the prophets talking about the exile. 
Is that the hope of being restored? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the hope of being restored. And what else? Any more details? Messiah. Right, the, the promise of a of a Messiah. Any, any anybody else? Uh, I mean, isn't that like getting that that power back that they had potentially lost? Right, yeah, to basically put them back, um, quote unquote, good terms with God and um, allowing them to go back to their land and um, be that ruling nation. Okay, so that's kind of the, the surface of the hope of Israel. Um, so we're going to kind of go in a little deeper um, looking at the, the hope of Israel. So remember, when we're looking at the book of Acts, we are doing a literary um, study, meaning that we're, we're understanding the, um, th this, these times um, in the eyes of the Jews and the, the, uh, the original, um, the, the historical audience, we're looking at it in the perspective of the human author. And we're also looking at it in the perspective of the original or first readers of the book of Acts. And so one thing that we have to understand is Israel's history. And all of this of what's going on is surrounded or the foundation of it is about the hope, the hope of Israel, okay? Um, and so we see in the Old Testament that many prophets begin to talk about um, the hope of Israel or what we probably know as, um, that I kind of emphasize is the day of the Lord. They were emphasizing that, that even though they're dis through their disobedience that they will be uh, thrown into exile, that uh, that uh, one day, eventually one day, they will be delivered out of exile and to live under the rule, reign, and dominion of God again. And so, um, and so that's the, this is what the prophets were talking about. So today we're going to look at um, the prophet um, Ezekiel. We're going to look at Isaiah. We're going to look at Daniel, and we're going to see. Um, the, the hope of Israel um, with these prophets and also uh, the, the promise of a resurrection. Um, and so we're going to kind of look at that, look at that as well. Okay. So let's go ahead and see here. Um, so when we look at uh, restoration, we're going to learn that restoration is tied into resurrection for Israel, okay? So like I said before, we're gonna kind of look at resurrection in a different light or to build upon what we think we know about, about the resurrection, okay? So when we um, talk about the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, um, what, what is the uh, requirement for Jews to be saved before, um, uh, what what is the requirement for the Jews to be saved while Jesus was on earth? I should say. What was the requirement? They were still watching the law when he came, right? No. What was the requirement of salvation when Jesus proclaimed that he was the Messiah? So now, what is the what is the uh, the prerequisite or what what is the standard of salvation? Oh, gotcha. 
Anybody? I think I say this about every week. Oh, my mind just went blank. I know this. <laughs> um, could you repeat the question, please, ma'am? What's the standard of salvation during the time Jesus was on earth? Following the law? No. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. While he was on earth. They must believe that God sent him. Yes, they must believe that he was sent by God and that he was the Messiah. That was the standard of salvation while Jesus was on earth. When he was not on earth, it was the law. But Jesus came, remember, he ushered in this kingdom. He ushered in this, uh, yep. this newness of, of life now that um, it's not just about obeying the law, but it's believing that he was the Messiah, okay? So um, after, after uh, let's say the beginning, the beginning of Acts, or uh, let's just say the beginning of Acts, or after um, his death, or um, what, was, what was the standard then after all of the events have taken place? What's, what's the standard then? What was the standard then? And then you add the, and God raised him from the dead and believing in him type effect. So right. add on to what was. Right. So now um, just believing that he was the Messiah was not enough. Now you have to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ in order to be saved, okay? And that's still our standard for today is believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So remember, during the gospel period is, is, is a special time. It is the, um, it is the, uh, the moment when Jesus was on earth that the standard of salvation changed from just obeying the law but believing that he was the Messiah, okay? And so now um, after the cross, now the standard is that you must finish, you must believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, okay? So um, so what's, what's another thing is when we look at the, the concept of a Messiah, um, that it was a very Jewish uh, perspective or, or, or Jewish thought of, of having a Messiah. The Jews were looking for the Messiah. The world was not looking for a Messiah. So, so we have to understand that the, um, when connecting um, the Messiah, uh, understanding the Messiah, understanding Christ, it is a Jewish thing um, in a literary sense, but in a spiritual sense, um, we are looking for a Messiah. We need, we actually, we're, we, we are in need of a Messiah, but we don't know that we're in need of, of a Messiah in a spiritual sense. But in a literary sense, when looking at the scriptures, the, the promise of the Messiah was promised for the Jews first, literarily, and then spiritually, it will be promised for the world after, after, the, after that. Okay. So, that's something that we uh, keep in mind. So that's why the gospel period is so special because of their expectation of a Messiah. Okay. So any comments or questions about that? 
so Paul, he, he even tells us, uh, nope, I don't want to go there. Um, this is what I wanted to, wanted to show, um, that uh, there's an example of, um, of uh, the Jews believing in the, in the Messiah only when Peter and, and uh, the disciples were, of course, with Jesus and Jesus asked them, who does man, who does man say that I am? And they began to say, you know, some say that you're Elijah, some say that you're Jeremiah, uh, but Peter said that you are the Christ, son of the living God, right there shows, shows Peter's belief that Jesus was, was God's son. Um, so it showed his belief and shows that at that point there, Peter was said that he was um, the Messiah, okay? And then, uh, and so, you know, uh, we, we teach this like, oh, Peter, he had a high moment, you know, he, he said, you know, Jesus said flesh and blood, did not reveal this to you and, and uh, go on and on. And then a few verses later, um, I got you. A few verses later, you see, um, you see uh, Peter, uh, will be uh, rebuked <laughs> by Jesus Christ. What what happened? What's going on during this time? What's going on during this time is that Jesus began to give uh, his disciples a view of what was to come. And what was to come was his death and resurrection. But they didn't have the revelation to understand that they Messiah had to die and to be resurrected. They just wanted the Messiah for them to have this political reign and for them to be restored back into their land. They didn't understand the implications of a Messiah, of this Messiah, that this Messiah had to die. That's the word uh, D that we talked about, uh, that the book talked about, it was necessary for Jesus to die and it was necessary for him to be resurrected in order to fulfill scripture, okay? But the disciples didn't understand that. So that's why Jesus had to rebuke Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't want for Peter to have that mindset of rejecting the resurrection because there's going to be a day where he had to accept the resurrection. Okay. So that what was going on um, in the in the book of um, in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Okay. Um, any comments about that? Okay. So just um just wanted to kind of pull that out there. And so let's go ahead and jump into our first slide here, okay? Um, at the heart of Israel's hope um, during the first century, um, and in most cases still today, is the expectation of the fulfillment of certain events they believe to re be reliable because of their faith in their scriptures in general and the prophets particular, particularly. Um, so here we have to understand when we talking about scripture, where uh, for the Jews, they did not have New Testament scripture, okay? We kind of understand that. Hopefully we understand that by now. All they had were Old Testament scriptures 
and other scriptures that were not canonized or final uh, or sealed during that time here. Let me pull up this chart here. Um, as you see here at the bottom, I hope you can see my, my little mouse circling. These, this is uh, the scriptures that they had. They had the Hebrew Bible. They had the LXX, which is the Septuagint. They had Dead Sea Scrolls. They had Elders Order oral traditions. They had the Talmud. They had the Mishnah. They had all of these, uh, all of this literature that informed their thought. Okay. So when it comes to the, the aspect or when, when it comes to the theme of resurrection, we only see a, a few verses in the Old Testament about a resurrection and the and, and we see them talking about the hope of Israel, but the majority of their expectations of the hope of Israel and the resurrection comes from these books here. It talks about it so much more than what the Old Testament uh, talks about. Okay, so when we talk, when we say um, Jews and their scriptures, you have to keep that in mind that they have more than the Old Testament scriptures, okay? Um, let me see here. Even a superficial uh, level uh, of study points to the fact that, uh, that this first century Israel had political manifestation of these things, okay? So uh, when it comes to Israel government and religion, somebody tell me, how was that set up? If you guys remember Israel's government and religion, how was that set up? Was it all one? Was it separate? I mean, didn't they have priests and elders? And when I mean, and when I mean like elders, I'm talking about like their their council mm -hmm. of elders and people like that. Like in the, how they functioned, it was like the people. Then you had your priest, and then they had their uh oh, it's a term for it that I want to say that I cannot think of right now. Um uh, because Paul, when Paul was testifying, he talked about how his father, I believe, or he was a part of that certain um Hedrons. Say it again. The Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, right, 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 right. So, like, isn't that part of their how their government was established? I want you to go to Old Testament. How was their government established? Oh, you want me to go back further? My bad. I didn't go mm -hmm. back that far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Israel's government. How was that? Hey, government oh, go ahead. Go ahead, mother. I was just, I'm just, I'm peeking, booing around too. <laughs> Isn't that, it, isn't it, their government was a, a centered on judges and kings and things of that nature? Yes, someone build on that. Yes, you got judges and kings. What else? Uh, prophets. Prophets and what? And what? One more. And at one point they had Moses. Which, who represents what? Oh, he represented all of that, at the, at the, honestly. Uh-uh. Someone bring, bring it up. So um, um, they had the Well, they were under just God at one point. They were on the theocracy. What did God establish, though? Um, I can't remember the word for it. A monarchy? 
y'all talked about kings, y'all talked about judges, y'all talked about prophets, but there is one more institution that is so important to God. Temple. It represents what? You so close. The law. The law. <laughs> Why she getting weak at us? Don't get weak. Just say it at this point. I'm scared. <laughs> the priesthood. The priesthood. Priest. Say a priest. Oh, okay. duh. You didn't say priest. The okay. use, that, that's why you have the king, the prophet, and priest. They work hand in hand. Yeah. Now, now. Right. Come, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bypassed him because you said go into the Old Testament. I just Me saw them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I bypassed them. Well, they were in the Old Testament. That's the first institution that God did <laughs> with Israel. Was right. The Priesthood. <laughs> yeah, because when you told me when you told me to go back, I originally said the priest. So when you told me to go back, I just was like, nah, let me now, go back. I'm missing some. You said elders. <laughs> so yeah, right. you did. <laughs> That's all right. So now we now we know that Israel's government was made up of three lanes. You got the kings, the priests, and the prophets. And the king didn't move until they got a word what from the prophet from the prophet. So they kind of worked um, hand in hand. Uh, well, that was the idea for them not to move. But uh, as we know, with the Old Testament, the king, uh, there was a lot of evil kings and they ignored the prophets and killed the prophets because it wasn't a word that they wanted to hear or whatnot. Uh, but the, the the idea was for the king to hear from the prophet because the prophet is connected to God um, um, and to hear what the next move was going to be for for Israel. Um, and so this was this is the only institution. This is the only religion on earth that that can say they were formed by God. OK, so that was Israel's that was Israel government. OK. So it's definitely not like today's government um, where we have a, well, how, how is our government set up? I don't know what to a call democracy. it. So I don't know what to call it. A democracy, <laughs> yes. That's what they call it. <laughs> That's what they say. Right, right. Right. <laughs> it's not a pure democracy though. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when it when it comes to religion, it is totally separate from the government. So you get the separation of church and state. Uh, but that only happened um, when the uh, what they call them the uh, the Europeans came over to America because that uh, the institution of church and state being together um, it happened for for centuries. But when it comes to America. They separated the church. Well, actually, it kind of started in Europe with King Henry because he wanted to divorce his wife. And he didn't want to ask permission from the Pope to divorce his wife. So he decided to separate church and state. But he brought it. But um, that idea was brought over to America. So that's how we kind of got the separation of church and state. But the idea, God's idea of a nation started with, uh, as we see the structure of it, that the, the king, priest, and prophet, that the government and the church will be all together because this is what we're going to see 
um, in the last days, in the consummation days, that po that political aspect and the religious aspect is going to be all together, and it's going to be kingdom. Okay, so this is that's something. This is what I wanted to kind of bring up, um, and so. Israel had this expectation of this Messiah coming in and doing this uh, political uproar and political um, takeover so they can get their land back. But of course, that didn't happen the way they wanted to. Okay. Um, let me go here. They are still struggling with that today. Yes, they are. They are still struggling with that today because they are looking, they're still looking for their Messiah. They're looking for that political leader. They want their land back and all that stuff. And yeah, so the quote unquote, the hope of Israel uh, from that perspective is still uh, being looked at by the Jews, the ones who did, who uh, the Orthodox Jews. Okay. So yeah. Why I, I can't understand how anybody that declares to be any type of Jew or part of Israel that want stuff or expect stuff out of America. Like, hey, we deserve that because of God. And I'm going, where are y'all at? But the thing is, the Jews are not saying that. The Americans are saying that. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't get their thought if you're claiming to be a part of what they are. How are you trying to demand it in here in the name of God is what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the evangelicals, their... Um, what's the word, their uh, millennial view, they believe, because they, they taking this from scripture, they they took in, in the book of Matthew, when he's talking about those, will, uh, you will be kind of, you will be judged by the way you treat Israel. They took that and they thought that it, that was for now. So that's why the government, the American government really uphold Israel because they've been fed by evangelicals that you need to treat Israel right because of the scriptures. And if you treat Israel right, then America is going to be blessed. But they took that scripture um, out of context because that, that scripture there is for the tribulation time, not now. That's for tribulation. When Jesus is doing his, um, his, um, all of that discourse, all that from chapter, was it 24 or 26? All that is for tribulation time. But the evangelicals took that and apply it um, and took it and said that that is for today. That is, that's what's going on now. We all need to treat Israel with this type of respect. We need to uphold them. We need to make sure that Israel is good because we will be blessed. That's where it came from. My God. I thought part, oh, sorry. sorry. I thought part of Pastor's question was about <clears throat> the hope that the people who were converting to um, some form of being related to Israel, whether that's Judaism or Black Israelite movement, whatever, what, are, what is their hope? What are they looking for? I, I thought that was part of his question. And part of my question was that. Thing. A part of my question was that that if they're converting over to this and saying, like, I'm an Israelite, blah, blah, blah. How are they trying to demand Americans give them soil and land and using scripture and God to, to even say that? 
But yeah. Camille went a whole nother level that made that part of it. It, I mean, she rebuked their even thought on it. That's why I was like, I was cool. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, they don't even make sense with that. You can't right. expect anything from here. Right, yeah, because the, the Jews are not demanding from America. The America is giving it to them. <laughs> yeah, so that's something that we have to understand. Yep. Um, any other comments or questions? All right, cool beans. Let's continue on here. As you see, it's a lot. And we're going about to go a little deeper to understand the hope of Israel. And we're about to do a historical approach starting from the beginning of the Bible and understand how this hope of Israel even came to, to surface. We understood, we understand how it started from exile and the prophets talking about it. But let's let's go a little further back. Let's go a little further back because this particular hope of Israel was even promised uh, during Abraham's time. It, it, it started. It kind of stemmed from, or, or the foundation of it goes even further back, uh, the beginning of Genesis. So let's kind of look at that a little bit here. Okay. So the Bible teaches uh, that the world as we know it will one day end. The world as we uh, know it today was never God's design from the beginning. As we know, God created the world and all that is within it. He himself declared it was very good. But now there is nothing good. Ever since the dispensation of conscience, God has declared that the earth was corrupt. In fact, even before all of this, the Bible tells us sin came into the world through one man, which was a type of the one who was to come, okay? And so that's something to understand that sin entered into the world through Adam. Um, he was a type, he was a Christ type of the one who was to come, okay? So the one who was to come is Jesus the Christ, okay? Um, so then scriptures teach constantly that corruption will one day be replaced by the righteousness on this earth, okay? And we see that in Isaiah. So the idea of God's creation was messed up um, starting in the in the garden, garden of Eden when uh, when they ate, you know, when we ate the apple. We understand that, that that's when things begin to turn. That's when things begin to change. And so we see in scriptures that God uh, several times does a recreation. He does a recreation with Noah. He does a recreation with the people of Israel as well. Okay. Um, when we look, when you, when you really study the significance of, of priesthood, when you begin to understand the significance of tabernacle, all of that is a reflection of Genesis 1. Okay, maybe one day we'll get into it, but it's all a reflection of Genesis one. And this is God's attempt of recreating uh, his people. Okay, so um, so God, he created this ideal society with the nation of Israel. Okay, and his work in creating the nation of Israel in Exodus even goes further because it was promised to Abraham in Genesis 12. 
that a um, that a great nation is going to come from you know from him that you know from uh, uh, from Abraham is going to flow this great nation and so um, so this is God's uh, effort to recreate his people okay so we see it even further we see it even more in the language of the the covenant of uh, Abrahamic covenant you see it in the Mosaic covenant. You see it in the Davidic covenant. You see language of this hope of Israel that one day the world is going to be back to what God intended it for uh, intended uh, for it to be uh, when He created the world in Genesis one. So now we're just seeing like everything just kind of. This is this is why I said it's a progressive. We see this plan just being in motion, and that one day at the end, the consummated kingdom is going to reflect the beginning of time. Okay, um, and so uh, let me go to to the next slide here. Uh, okay, yes, that's um, Romans five that that tells us that uh, sin came into the world through one man. Um, it says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was the type of the one um, who was to come. Um, and then in this slide here, it says the designated time will be revealed to the nation of Israel as the beginning of the last days. OK, so with Daniel, Daniel really begins to talk about the hope of Israel. He talks about their last days the four nations that were going to uh, overtake Israel. Who remembers the four nations? Ooh-wee. Persia. Persia's one. Babylon. Uh-huh. Uh, Greek, Greece and Rome. Greece and Rome, yeah. Good, yep, those were the four nations. Uh, that that Daniel uh, talked about in his prophecy that we're going to take over the 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 nation of Israel. Okay, so during the time of Israel's mon- monarchy, God began to speak to them about the day of the Lord, which will usher in the days where human government will finally realize the Creator's design for mankind okay so from abraham to david israel always expected a time when the rulership or dominion of the world will come through their people okay so in genesis 12 let me go here genesis 12 and 3 it says um, in the abrahamic covenant i will bless those who bless you and him who dis- dishonors you i will curse and in, in uh in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then um, we've seen in in the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you see another promise. It says, when uh, your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men 
with the stripes of the son of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took you from Saul, whom I put away from you and your house and your kingdom should be made sure forevermore, uh, forever before me. Your throne should be established forever. So here, this is the, the Davidic promise or the Davidic covenant that uh, from you all, your, from your offspring, that God is going to raise up someone, okay? Uh, to establish his kingdom. Okay. So this is, this is, this, this, all of this ties into the hope of Israel. It started from the beginning of time and we see it, uh, we see it being in play in scripture here that um, God promised that one day there will, there will be a nation <laughs> that, that will reflect uh, reflect his creation, that reflect his original plan of salvation. And we are going to see that at the end of time. But Israel, were they, their timeline was off. And we see why it was off because Daniel gave them uh, a, uh, a prophecy that, you know, after the four nations uh, overtaking them, that one day they're going to be um, taken back uh, to their land and begin to rule and to reign. So now they're sitting in the in the gospel times, they're sitting under the Roman rule and they're like, okay, uh, we definitely need to be looking for the Messiah. That's how that's how you got um the beginning when John John the Baptist was um baptizing um uh people who represent all the nations of Israel that they that they thought that if we if we repent, if we um if we um cleanse ourselves that that will trigger the messiah so they were getting ready for this messiah because they were going off of their scriptures but their timeline was not correct they didn't know that this messiah had to come and die they didn't know that this messiah had to be resurrected they didn't know that uh the messiah was paving the way for the world to be a part to be engrafted in they didn't see that. They just thought that salvation was for the Jews only and that um, the Messiah was coming through their line, that um, that salvation was in within their nation. OK, and so that's that's what uh, what's going on here. So any comments or questions? Just about one word. Surprise. <laughs> right. Surprise. It was definitely surprise for uh, for Israel that no was. It's like all of a sudden, after all these years, your daddy come home like, hey, I got a baby. <laughs> Ooh, right, right. You and got you siblings. You look at them like, you ain't the promised one. Like, you know, you ain't the real, you know, child or whatever. But this is this is God's plan. Yep, yep. Any other comments or, or questions or anything of that sort? Okay. So this right here is kind of the hope of Israel. So definitely these slides are in your in the Dropbox. <laughs> I know that I kind of threw at y'all a lot. So definitely look up the scriptures, look up um, the references. The, the book talks about the hope of Israel. We're going to jump into it uh, right now. Um, yeah, we're going to jump into it a little bit here. Um, so I just wanted to kind of build you all up because we just had a surface understanding of the hope of Israel. But I, my, my goal was to take you all just a little bit deeper so that you all can have a, a full understanding of the, the hope of Israel. OK, 
All right, so let's go to the next slide here. It says, um, if I can get to it. Okay, let's deal with the hope of Israel um, in each of these two major components, the resurrection and the arrival of these last of the last days. Both of these two themes are prominent, not only um, in the book of Acts, but also through the entire New Testament, okay? Um, so we, see, we already talked about that. Um, so contemporary Bible students must learn to view the Bible's teaching about resurrection in the respect to Jewish history. OK, so um, we understand we have to understand that the, the important aspect of our salvation is the resurrection. Paul says, do I have that scripture? Yes, I do. Uh, Paul says in First Corinthians 15 that if there was no resurrection, then and our faith will be in vain okay our faith will be futile and we will remain in our sin so understanding um the resurrection is important for us on this side of the cross but on the other side of the cross they had a different viewpoint of what the resurrection should be and they got it from their scriptures okay so let's go um a little different a little deeper here and see here um let's go back to the slide it says jesus did not have to introduce in his teachings the concept of restoration i mean resur uh, resurrection but he did have to clarify and strengthen his audience understanding and expectation the truth of the matter is that uh the introduction of this concept was embedded in their scriptures okay so um Jesus, he had to be, let's, let's remember that when the, the reason that Jesus came, one of the reasons why Jesus came on the earth was to fulfill, um, fulfill the law. He fulfilled a lot. I don't think we, I think we're coming into understanding of, of Jesus fulfillment, um, in the aspects of it. So Jesus, he fulfilled the, 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 the aspect of resurrection. And he said, before, um, before Israel can experience a restoration, a resurrection has to occur. Okay, so we're going to go deeper uh, so you can understand that statement that I just said. Um, so let's go into the book. Let's go. What page is this? Um, I think it's 72, 71, under the resurrection hope. Um, it starts with the teaching of the Old Testament is especially important for understanding the significance of the resurrection in the early Christianity and New Testament theology in general, and the book of Acts in particular. So going from, from Acts, um, uh, to the gospel. So in order to understand the resurrection, you have to do this exegetical approach. So we're going, we're, we're here looking at the apostle. I mean, looking at the, uh, the book of Acts, we're going to go back to, to Luke, and then we're going to go back to the old Testament, and then we're going to bring it back up. So that's how you do an exegesis of a, of, of a scripture. You start wherever you are, you have to go back um, to the Old Testament and then bring yourself back up. Um, the, the one thing that we don't have um, as um, coming into understanding that Jews had various scriptures, we don't really have an understanding of the apocryphal and Dead Sea Scrolls and things of that sort. So we're, we're have a kind of a partial understanding of 
of um, of uh, when we're doing the exegesis. But eventually, one day we'll get to that point of going deeper and understanding where they um, understanding Jewish thought. Okay, so um, let's see here. Let's go back here, um, and so. Uh, yeah, we're going to go deeper in, uh, into understanding that. So let's see here. Okay, so when it comes to resurrection, we're going to start with the book of Ezekiel. Okay, so in in the um, in your book, um, he he begins to talk about this restoration um, and the uh, resurrection of of Israel. Okay. Um, and so one thing we have to understand that resurrection uh, plays or is, is, is tied into restoration. There was no restoration until there was a resurrection. Okay, so let's look at this next pass, this next paragraph. It says in Ezekiel 37, a day is anticipated when God's people will have God's spirit. So the spirit uh, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of restoration, the spirit of resurrection. So um, the return from exile to be uh, united again, experience cleansing from sin and enablement to keep God's commandments and to live under the reign of the new David. And so um, in order for this to happen, Jesus fulfilled it. So he was able to keep God's commandments he experienced cleansing from sin. You remember that when Jesus was, was baptized, it was not what we know as a, bapti a baptism. It was actually a cleansing. He was doing the religious ceremony of the priest. So he was fulfilling the, the role of a priest. He was, doing, um, he was doing that to show them that he was the ultimate fulfillment of, of being cleansed. And so he did that. He was enabled to keep God's commandments. And, um, and so now, uh, and so now uh, right here, we're seeing that one day, eventually they will live under this new reign of the new David. So the new David is Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and so uh, what we know for Ezekiel 37, we just understand uh, Ezekiel 37, this is the Valley of Dry Bones and you hear preachers preach about it and that you coming out, no dry season, blah, 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 whatever these, and these bone, bones live or whatever, um, dry bones live. But there is another perspective when it comes to this passage here, and we have to understand it in the eyes of the Jews. I got five minutes. Okay. So, um, uh, so after God told Ezekiel about the restoration of Israel and the resurrection of Israel, um, God showed him in a demonstration. So you'll see when you begin to read Ezekiel 37, you'll see that God was very graphic, very uh, uh, he used pictures and he used images uh, to show Ezekiel what he was going to do uh, with Israel. Okay, and um, and this is where we see that um, the promise of a revival for Israel was coming. Okay, so this is revival in a justification mode, okay, that one day that they will receive God's spirit, okay, so we we must be careful when we're talking about, I know I talked about this before, but when we're talking about revival, 
the scriptures are talking about revival in a justification mode that they can now receive God's spirit. Um, so Israel was once dead. The world is dead. Um, there be a day when Israel will receive his spirit. The church cannot claim to be dead. That means that you were never saved to begin with. The church has the spirit of God and can never experience a revival in a justification mode. The spirit won't leave you, okay? Now unto him who was able to keep us from falling, okay? So the spirit the spirit will not leave you um, in, the, in the justification mode. You and your voice. You and your voice. Watch it. You said that with, 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 with authority. Watch it. I'm just saying, now I'm, unto him that is able. Watch it. I'm Be just careful. Saying, I didn't put <laughs> fluctuation in that. I just said now... <laughs> <laughs> who was able to keep you from falling. He's talking about the, the, the promises. We have a better covenant. We have probably the best, we, we do have the best covenant out of all the covenants that were given. The new covenant is the best covenant because it, number one, that it's not uh, conditional. And number two, we are promised the Holy Spirit that he will always rule uh, and reign within us, okay? That he will always reside in us, okay? And then, then, um, and then there's no separation. Um, if you're in your sin, there's, there's, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, there's no separation, uh, from, from us, from God. Okay. Um, if we do sin, thank, thanks be unto God. We have, we have Jesus to Christ who died for us. who was the perfect sacrifice. Who was the perfect, the perfect one. Okay. Um, and so, uh, let me see here. So when it comes to, I might have to cut that off because I, I had a lot. I might have to cut it off because there's more in Ezekiel. Um, but I, I would, I would definitely say this when it comes to the death, since we're talking about death, there are three, um, three levels to death. You have the physical death, you have the spiritual death, and you have ceremonial death, okay? Physical, um, when it comes to ceremonial death, only the Jews experience, uh, experience ceremonial death, um, meaning that if you come to, to God and uh, in the temple um, in the way that you want to do, you can be ceremonial dead, okay? You can, there's stories that people drop dead there's stories where people are uh, pushed out of the camp. There are many stories that you are pushed away out of the presence of God. That that right there is an example of being ceremonial uh, dead. So there is a spiritual death um, and there's a physical death. Um, now, everyone will not experience um, physical death. Who are the two people in scriptures that did not experience physical death? Enoch, Melchizedek, Moses, Moses, Elijah. Sorry. Elijah. 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 <laughs> so everyone would experience one of these type, types of death, okay? Um, and so many, even here in, in this day here, many would not experience death. Why not? Because the resurrection will happen. I mean, the res the rapture will happen. Rapture will happen. 
So therefore, there are some that will never taste death. Okay. So, um, and so from looking at the, the prophets Ezekiel and, and Daniel, um, they, they're, they're um, emphasizing more of a spiritual um, awakening or a spiritual, um, a spiritual, uh, what was it, revival, um, spiritual resurrection. But when we look at Jesus, Jesus is actually talking about a physical resurrection is about to occur. It's about to go down. He said that I am the resurrection. I am Israel. I am the fulfillment and it's going to, to happen. Okay. Um, yeah, I got to stop right here. Darn. I didn't get far at all in this book. <laughs> I didn't get far. Um, and I kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, you didn't get far in that book, but you sure said a whole lot that I'm still trying to swallow. Right. So I, I ain't throw, you ain't throw us no water or nothing. You just threw the food down our throat. Well, I had to set it up, the hope of Israel, so we can understand and understand what the author is, is, is talking about here. So uh, are there any comments or questions about anything? Like I said, it was a lot. So you probably got to keep chewing on it or whatnot. But, um, but if you guys have any questions or comments, you can definitely, you know, hit me up. People stop me in church, talk. So you can do that as well. You can message me uh, or whatnot. Uh, but we're, we're going to definitely uh, finish this part here next week. So uh, are we good? Make sure I get attendance so I didn't get it. Let's see here. I think I have a mental note. Okay. Yeah, I have a mental note. So. I see who's all online. Okay, cool beans. So um, if there aren't any um, comments or any questions, definitely keep reading. <laughs> definitely keep um, keep studying. The notes are available to you all to look at. And of course, if you have any um, comment or, or questions, you can definitely hit me up, okay? So let me go ahead and pray out. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, O oh God, for allowing us to come together and to worship and adore your holy name. Thank you, O oh God, uh, for allowing us to see your word in a different light, Father, that you are you're, um, allowing us to go deeper into your word and not just to stay at one level, God, but to understand um, scriptures, God, the way that you intended for us to understand it. So, um, God, even once we accomplish this level, there's another level, there's another level, there's another level to experience, oh God. So, God, um, we pray, God, that we will remain humble and that we remain um, open to your to your word and open to the Holy Spirit to, to illuminate your word to us, Father. So, God, we love you and we bless you. And I pray for those who are um, in this study that they will not be discouraged and not become weary but um, be strengthened, God. And so, God, I thank you and I love you and I ask you all these things in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all. And I'll see you all next week. Good lesson. <laughs>